Pressing Matters with Africa Mplope, shining biblical truth on contentious and contemporary issues. This is a this is a difficult situation. So the person's asking, is it an ungodly thing to want to marry at a young age? And my sisters in the Lord in the faith are consistently rejecting me. That's the person's question. And so I opt for those outside of the church. That's the question. I asked how old you are, says I'm 25. And the person says, uh, they even don't want to make friends with me so that I may know them better. So let's not deal with this. Let's go straight to it. What is marriage and why should we get married? And I don't want to do a debate on the group with this person because I wanted to address it um, generally for everybody else's benefit. Um, and so, and I realized that that could be something that is a, is a problem for all of us. The misunderstanding of what marriage is about. Uh, what is marriage designed for? Number one, the age of 25 is not, is not too young of an age to get married. A lot of people, especially in the white community, get married at that age and even younger. It's just us, if you're relative, it's us, I mean, black people, who think that you are too young at the age of 25. You are not too young, just that we, our parents don't allow us to mature enough for us to feel responsible. I know people personally that I know that walk in the ministry who've been married at the age of 19 already. By 19, they were married. Um, and so other people, 21 age, they're already married. So the age is not the issue. The issue that I think is happening is that we don't understand what marriage is about. So, but he's important is this. Um, it's not the age in which you marry. It's your level of maturity. So you have two types of ages. Um, age, you, you, you've got a biological or chronological age. What your age is chronologically, you may be 25 by age. And uh, so there's a chronological age, but there's also the biological age. That is your age of your body. So you might be chronologically be 29 or 30 or 45, but your body might be a body of somebody who's 60. So, so biologically, you may be older than your chronological age. Similarly, the converse is also true. You may be of an age that is younger uh, biologically than your chronological age. It all depends on the way you conduct yourself, the way that you handle your body. So you might you look younger, and be younger in terms of body, in terms of health, than you are for the person of your age. I look at someone like Lionel Richie and, and American Idols. I'm like, when is this guy aging? He's probably nearing 70, but it looks like somebody who's 50. So that's that one level of age. But also there's a psychological aspect to age. And so the fact that you're 29 or 25 or 30 doesn't mean a lot if you have not matured psychologically. Now, so the issue of getting married is not just you getting married because your hormones are raging and you can't control yourself and you want to have somebody to partner with and have all those stuff. And that's one aspect. Paul does say, he gives a consensus that if a person is bending with passion, it's better for that person to marry than the person to follow the sin. So Paul gives a concession there, but it's not, it's look, to get married because you are, you are bound by lust. Um, it's not the right thing, right way to get married because you can't sustain marriage like that. If you end it because of that reason, that marriage won't be sustained because those of us who are married will tell you right now, we don't do sex every day. So if you want to get married for the sake of sex, we will tell you right now, it's the wrong reason to get married. It's simply a small part of marriage. We don't do sex every day. Some people don't even do sex every week. Some people travel. They are overseas and others are different parts of the country. Therefore, practically speaking, if you get married just for that, you will not sustain a marriage. 
marriage requires people to be psychologically matured. It's, that's why we get married. We marry men and women, not boys and girls, because there's a level of maturity uh, that you have to have as a person to handle the idea of somebody else who's different from you and try and create complementarity between those two people. That's essentially very, very important. How to bring two people from two different backgrounds and environments and make them build a home together. Dealing with their different things, different way of handling stuff. One person leaves the toilet seat up, one person puts the toilet seat down, one person just does a toothpaste the other way around, another person does this and it's offense. There's, there's, there's all kinds of upbringing issues. I mean, I grew up in a place I was poor at home, so I didn't understand the whole thing. So I get here, I get to my home, and my wife didn't grow up in the same environment. So for her, cheese and these things are simple. And for me, I'm like, you can't just waste cheese. Cheese is like, cheese is like, uh, it's, 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 I mean, uh, cheese to me is like, it's the thing. So you have to use this sparingly, you know. I didn't butter breads on both sides. I only butter one side. So I get to have people are buttering on both sides of, the, of bread. And they're just liberal and they're free. And somebody's visiting our home and our dishes are liberating. And I'm like, oh, and that's because of my upbringing. So I have to, I have to deal with some background and some deliverance issues so that my hands become more liberal. So marriage has to consist of various things we come from and backgrounds and environments. So to answer the question that my brothers ask me as to why do my sisters in the faith reject me? Here's what I need to understand. You should understand this. Uh, my, if you're watching this, uh, please understand this. Women generally, <laughs> please, I hope you didn't get this. You don't allow yourself to be offended at this. Generally, Christian women struggle to find suitable husbands. This is something I, I see everywhere. Generally, what I've discovered with Christian women is that Christian young ladies and single women who are of a marriage age, they struggle to find uh, competent and suitable men to marry simply because their level of maturity is between the two is not, uh, there's no color, there's some mismatch. I find a lot of young Christian men, brothers, who are not matured psychologically, although some may be matured spiritually, speaking tongues are on fire, but you find that they are not matured psychologically, emotionally, to handle a woman. That is very, very important. This is what I've discovered. So I have a situation where I have lots of guys, I can't get them to heaven. I'm like, this girl is here. This guy is here, and I'm like, but I can't play Cupid. I'm like, I wish I could do something here. Why is it not happening? I'm like, this guy is here, this girl is here. They're in my church. I'm like, what can I do? Why can't these two come together? Lord, help us. But I can't. I can't. Because she's finding him to be a nice a brother in the Lord, but not husband material. She's like, I like him. They're friends. They relate. But it's like something is missing uh, in him in regards to making this guy to be a husband to me. And therefore, she's not getting into the situation. I found that a lot. What causes that? I tell you what causes that. It's because when you are in the church of Jesus Christ, we, we are friends and we relate, we love each other. But women are seeing, the women are into, you must understand the needs of women. Women are looking for security. Women are security conscious. So in a relationship, they're looking, am I secured here? Can you secure me? So they're looking for security. That's why women, it's easy for them when they marry a man and for them to drop their job and be housewives and stay at home. Because for them, home, home, home care is more important for them than 
can't just make money so guys can go out and make money there and so there are kind of things they look for can you handle me and my changes and getting pregnant and all the moods and all the situation can you handle that are you I, I mean, if you're still selfish they look at you in church you're giving how much you give, how you're giving is how so they look at such things and they wonder can this man take care of me and therefore if they don't see those signs they are likely to uh, not to be attracted now the question is is asking me a question they don't even want to be friends with me so that i get to know them better that there is a sign that's a sign right there the christian ladies in my church don't want to even be friends with me so i can get to know them better that's your sign there my, my brother that's a sign right there if they can't even befriend you the ladies now at a, at a, at a friendship level they don't even want to befriend you that's a clue right there that there's something that you're doing that turns them off. Because at least you ought to be able to create friendship. If you can't create a friendship with a lady, there's no way you can create a wife. Uh, it just doesn't work. A friendship is the most basic thing that should happen across gender. If that can't happen, forget trying to have one as a wife. Because you're saying to me, let's be friends and I get to know you better. That's not how it works in the gospel. We don't get to be friends and get to know each other better. Because we're not, we don't test drive the vehicle and see which one we should drive. We hear the voice of God leading us to the vehicle we should purchase and it's one vehicle so we don't go around test driving vehicles and see i don't like that one let me test drive this one it's not like in the world where i date women and i get to go out with certain women until i find my wife it's not like that in the gospel there is one that god has set for you and it leads you but for her to, to hear the voice of god and reciprocate first of all you must understand what god did god said to adam it's not good for a man to be alone it's god identifying the need of Adam for, for companion, not Adam's identification of it, but God did. And then God then said, let's make him a helpmate, a suitable person. Now let's just clear this out, right? God asked, God made Adam a helper, um, a helper. Now for you to get somebody to help you, you must be doing something that requires help with. So you cannot look, look for somebody to be a helpmate if um, if you're not doing something that's worthy for help, meaning you're not you're not. If I'm not carrying anything heavy around, why should I ask somebody to help me to carry something that is not heavy enough for me to carry alone? So you need to ask yourself a question: What am I? What am I pursuing in my life that is so compelling and so big that I need somebody to come around me to help me with this? If you've not arrived at the place to discover who you are, what, you are, what is your purpose, what is your assignment on earth, what is your vision? In fact, the word submission, women submit to your own husbands, wives submit to your own husbands is unto the Lord. The word submission means to come under a mission. Submission, okay? Subcontract, sub. So therefore, for a woman to submit to you, it means you must be having a mission, a mission worthy enough to submit to. So the question you should be asking yourself is what mission do I have that a woman will want to come and submit to it okay so if no no mission that is compelling therefore no woman should want to submit to a person who has nothing to submit to it's sub mission what mission are you having what is your goal in life what are you trying to achieve and do you need help with it is it compelling is it great enough is it a, is it a big vision that requires somebody else to come in and help you fulfill that vision Right. So you need to understand. So the base level is that if you can't create a friendship with a woman, a friendship that is based on purity, that is based on minds meeting together, having common values, 
and such things. If you can't meet together and have friendship, it's impossible to create a marriage out of a situation. So here's what I'm going to say to you as I summarize the question, the answer. Do not pursue women in the house of the Lord. And anyway, in fact, if you are coming to a place of spiritual purity and you are rightly with God, don't pursue a relationship with anyone. Pursue the purpose of God for your life and the woman will find you on the way there and she will be brought into that space. When you are pursuing your mission, the wife will come alongside of you and find you on the way. Don't go after a woman. Go after the mission of God and God will bring. Adam did not look for a woman. He was working and then God brought the woman to help him with the work he was doing. Work your purpose. Work your assignment. Work your relationship with God. And in the right time, God will bring the person alongside. Meantime, you are maturing emotionally. You are maturing spiritually. You are maturing psychologically. You are maturing in other aspects. You are learning to be a giver. You are learning to be generous. You are learning how to budget. You are learning by observing women from a distance. You are learning their their temperaments, their tastes, their issues, you know, the way they dress, the hairstyles they do, how much it costs to maintain one, because that's another aspect you must be aware of. It costs money to maintain a woman. <laughs> Trust me, I know. It costs money. You're going to pay for it. So before you jump into it, my brother, uh, budget for it. So this is what I normally tell young men in church. I always tell them, whilst you are working, if you have work, I bless God if you have a job, if you're working, the first two, three things we do in our church, I'm not saying it's doctrine, but it's what we do in our church. Somebody comes to me, Pastor, I saw a woman, I want to get married to her. Great. I said, wonderful. I celebrate that. I said, okay, now let me ask a question. How much money do you have? What money? I said, what money do you have? How much do you have? Because marriage is not faith. We don't eat faith. We don't go then and we don't eat tongues. We don't, we don't eat tongues. We eat money. We spend money. So I'm like, I want to check the guy. How much have you saved? Show me your bank statement. How much have you saved? Okay, we're going to pay for the marriage because you want to get married. Remember, you are the guy who was asking this woman's hand in marriage. So it is your primary responsibility to spend on her because you are asking her to come into your life. Matter of fact, think about it. This woman takes your name, she takes your identity, she submits to you, she changes her name and takes your name, she drops everything, she drops her home, comes to your home, so you are asking her to come into your life and submit to you, you gotta pay for that, that's at least the least you should do is pay for that, because she's getting, she's, you, you're getting everything, you get a whole deal, you never change your surname, you never change clothes, you never do anything, man, or the man that introduces himself, uh, the, 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 you know, the title is Mr., so nobody can tell if a man is married or not, because there's nothing that identifies. A woman is identified by whether Miss or Mrs. Because she belongs to someone. So you, you know. So so for the price she pays to be your wife, the least she should be able to do is to sustain the the, the family. So I asked the guy, how much money do you have in your bank account? And second thing I asked them, I asked them where you're gonna stay after marriage. I don't want anybody telling me they're gonna stay in their home, their parents' home. I don't. They're not ready to get married. Then they're wasting my time. I don't want to do that. So you gotta find a place. Even if it's a flat, even if it's a one bedroom place, uh, go and stay there. I from your parents. I know there's another thing I normally do as a prerequisite. I ask both of them to do an HIV test. It's not for me to know the results. It's for them to know it for each for themselves and to know the results for themselves, for each other's uh, disclosure, not for me. Because I don't want people to walk into these things and think that, oh, faith, 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 faith. We don't get born again. So we don't get married as pure and uh, you know whatever we come from the world i come from the world i did an angel every test when i got married because i knew my background i didn't want to get somebody else into something without knowing what's happening so we both went and did an angel every test and i sat in that room waiting for my results and my heart was like dropping on the floor because i knew exactly that it's possible that i could be 
um, or positive. I knew that. I knew that. I, you know, so that's why I always say to people, if somebody is positive and you're not, please do not judge. If you know that you are like me, you, you did everything possible to be positive and that you are not, then the least that you do is to be grateful because I did everything possible to be, to be positive. I mean, I went out every night to look for HIV. I actually sought for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me stop there for this question because I'm running out of time. Because uh, I have another question that somebody asked me, and this one I think is not difficult at all, really. Uh, Vusi Mila, has, my question is this. Christians, those who are washed in the blood and saved by grace, uh, to borrow money from one member of the church to another and not pay the money back and pretend that you are the one who owes them. <laughs> There's some pain here. Sorry, Victor, I'm not laughing, but I feel pain here. I feel Victor's pain. Because I've been there, Victor. Victor, I've been here. I'm old. I am owed a list of 100k, 100,000 uh, by Christians, not unbelievers. You know, I'm talking about different people in different parts of the country. I have left it now. I've forgiven it. It just, it doesn't come back. So I've just decided, okay, just forget it. So, um, yes, yeah, so I understand exactly where you come from. Uh, Christians borrow money from each other and not pay it back and pretend that you're the one who owes the money. They act out, uh, Vusi, Victor, sorry, and they're like, you're the one who must apologize and they avoid you and they're the ones who act out and they, I know exactly what you're referring to and it's terrible, it's terrible. Here is what the Bible says. The, the person who's at fault here, unfortunately, is not the one who's not paying back the money. The one who's at fault is the one who actually borrowed the money, who lent the money out. Because the Bible prohibits us from lending money to each other. So the actual fault line here lies with me. I am at fault for the reason why I gave somebody borrowed money. The, when a person is in trouble, what I should have done was to give them the money, the, 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 what I could give, than to borrow the money. Because it's unbiblical to borrow money to, towards each other, to each other. It's unbiblical, I'll tell you right now. That's why there are consequences like this. It strains relationships. Money is one thing that strains relationships. If they want anything that, that breaks the relationship, deal with money. Money is one thing that it cut, comes and cuts relationships apart. So you don't get involved in borrowing money. At least help the person where you can. If you can't, then don't do it. But borrowing money to each other is bad. I've realized that from, for me, because I've said to you, I mean, I know this person here, that person, and they are lovely people. They love Jesus. They speak in tongues. They preach the gospel. I'm like, he owes me 30,000 friends. He's not saying anything. Oh, good Lord. I'm like, I look at him. I'm like, I don't know what to say. He owes me 30,000 and he knows it. And I need it. But I realized, but you should not have done that, okay? So I, I'm at fault. I don't mean I gave the person one amount of 30,000. I don't have that amount of money. But it's at given stages, you know, somebody did this and somebody got my car and I supposed to pay the car and I gave the person to pay in stages and the next thing, this thing didn't work out. And it's my fault. Really, actually, it's my fault. Because I'm not supposed to do like that. If a person cannot, cannot manage or, or afford, I should make a way of giving the person as a gift. Yes, I should sacrifice and give it off and write it off as a gift to the person when I can see the person kind of... And in some cases, when somebody can't afford and buys a new car while they owe you for your other car, and that's another story. But still, it is still true that we're not supposed to borrow money to each other. Okay, here's a Bible scripture for it. To lend you on a verse, Romans 13 verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whatever love... Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So it says, do not owe any child anything except to love one another. So here's the issue of debt on borrowing each other money. Here's the thing for me. My advice, do not do it. Do not do it. A believer comes to you and borrows money. 
The reason why they have to borrow money from you is because they don't know how to handle their finances. So what that person needs is actually financial counseling, not money to be borrowed. Don't borrow the money. Check what happened that they got them in a place that they want to borrow money from you. Check, go back stages, go back, 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 go back and check what exactly happened that brought you to this place. How do we help you to make sure you don't get to this place again because a person who borrows money from you is likely to get themselves back into the place where they have to borrow money yet again so don't borrow the money check what they've done wrong and then try and help them to fix their management of finances a lot of christians are living beyond their means a lot of christians actually do need sorry to me to say this they do need to have their houses repossessed their cars repossessed so they learn to walk by faith this is a sad thing for me to tell you but this is true some people need to have their expensive cars taken away from them and their expensive clothes taken away from them so that they learn to not to pretend to be pretentious, so that they learn to live within their means, so that they learn to start from scratch and learn to walk by faith. Yes, thank you, Joy. You should learn to many but to many but borrow from none. So some Christians need to learn how to pay, how to not to not to, to, to try and impress people, people they don't know, and pretend as if they have money to dress clothes they can afford and to drive cars they can't afford so they do need banks repossessing their cars to go from scratch let me tell you something that's going to show some of you watching this i have traveled many parts of the world many parts of the world and of course many parts of south africa yet yet i have consistently in this in the years that you have seen me on tv and with great men of god and people that you know famous in this country i've consistently owned a toyota tears 1.3 to 1300 Toyota Tears 1300. I've driven the car, got on the car, but I've kept my Toyota Tears. It's fuel efficient and it's a car that's easy to maintain, but it doesn't have a good image when I appear in pastor's meeting. But who cares? I am not there for image. I am there using a car for cutting and for transporting me from point A to point B. I'm not there for pretend. In fact, I made a consistent uh, practice for many, many years where I left a car at home that was more expensive and more glamorous and I would drive the tears to meetings with pastors and church services and I leave the other car and I realize how people are going to view me when I get there and I wouldn't care less knowing that I have other things are priorities got my children in good schools I have my priorities in the right place I've got the investments I've got my savings and I don't worry about what people think when I get there driving a test yeah. So why would you go and go and borrow a Mercedes Benz and buy a Mercedes Benz and you can't afford the installments and you must come borrow your installment money from me? I didn't ask you to go and buy a Mercedes Benz. So I can't borrow your money to pay installment. Go back and take the car back to Absa and buy a test like me and then we can live a life of peace all of us. That's how it is. You don't have to buy foods at Woolworths. There's shop, right? There's you save. Go and find a place. Go to a market and find fruit and veg. I, as a pastor, I go to a place here in PE, Elizabeth, called Costin. Those are from PE, they know. It's a terrible place called Costin. It's busy, it's bustling, it's chaotic. And I go and buy a, a fruit. I, I buy fruit stock. I stock fruit because my children, they go through fruit like there's nobody's business. They ravage fruit, which I love that. So I go and buy fruit in, in boxes and I throw it in the garage for my kids and for the home. And I buy it in a place called Costin. 
a place you don't want to drive into if you're in Portlesburg. Okay? I don't care about the image. I care about maintaining my family and living the life that God has called me to live. So we have to be very consistent in our values as children of God. Okay? I don't buy any expensive clothes shops. I don't have a store card. I don't buy expensive shops clothes. I buy on sale. I know what places to buy in. I know where to buy. I don't care about brands. I don't care about the image. I dress consistently fine. Okay? Okay? So other people have other issues that you don't need to get yourself involved in. So yes, of course, I do stay in a good service, but that at least I spend money on for the sake of just the fact that I have to go and run and jog without people think I'm doing, I'm being crazy and my kids and my wife taking a walk and, and, and you know, so that's at least I do. I stay in a good service. The rest of other things, I do not pay attention. So the answer to you, Victor, depends on what that person has got themselves in. And so the relationship is going to be strained. I understand this. I've got those relationships myself, but I do blame myself. And I'm sorry to say this. You and I are both in the same boat. If we borrow people money, actually, we have to take responsibility for that because we're supposed to send people out for financial counseling and help them not to repeat the mistakes that caused them to be in the place where they had to borrow money. Now, if a person is genuinely in a trouble, some, in a trouble situation, like genuinely in a need, somebody died or something happened, genuinely they need, that's where we have to give. That's where we have to give. If somebody is genuinely in need, that's where we have to give. So Pumza says, my you didn't cover my question on car finance and bonds being a blessing. No, it's not Pumza. A bond, car finance is not a blessing. In our church, people, those from church, they will tell you, we don't celebrate breakthrough and blessings and favor and, and break and testimonies of, of cars being bought on debt, including my car, including anybody's car. It's not a blessing. It's not favor of God. When you when a bank a bank grants you a credit, it's not a favor of God. Um, it's not blessing. You're getting yourself into a mess. And the question is, can you afford that debt? So we don't celebrate that. What we celebrate is when a person has a car paid up cash and God gives them the car. That's what I said. So a bond, as much as many people are living on bond, they can't afford it. Uh, it's not something that we celebrate as a blessing. Um, and so we, 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 we're grateful to God that you can grant the bond because many people are turned down. Yes, sometimes we don't praise God for, for that, that you grant the bond, provided that you can continue to maintain the installments. Of course, it's something to celebrate that the bank can grant the bond. But to actually come around and stand in church and make a testimony and bring people to your house and make a testimony that God has given me this. Ah, come on. If God gives you a house, God has enough ability to pay the house cash himself once off. Uh, if God gives you the house. God doesn't give the house to a 20-year bond by APSA. That's not how God gives the house. God doesn't bond with mortgage, a mortgage, mortality, you know, bondage. That's what it is. God doesn't work like that. So God wants to give you a house. He has other ways of giving you a house. I am still waiting for God to give me that breakthrough. I'm, 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 in, I'm, in, I'm waiting there. I know I qualify for the bond and other things and debts and credit cards and, and car finances. The banks call me all the time. I refuse them. I say, I'm not interested. Because why else? How do I live by faith if I don't wait for God to show up? And I keep taking credit and I think and I show and I try and impress you guys. So let's come to an end of the time and I forgot even to turn my light so it's getting dark. <laughs> so I'm getting into the darkness and before you know it, nobody will be seeing me here. <laughs> so I forgot to turn the light before I started this broadcast. Anyway, we've come to the end of our time. Blessings to you guys. Uh, oh, it's such a pleasure for us to connect like this.